0: The topic of discussion was going to be about prayer and faith and endurance, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, We are in the prayer room before service, and I stood up and I gathered my things, and Leslie said, are you ready? I said, no. (laughs) But, you know, she said God's faithful, and He is. He always is. And um, so anyway, we're going to go along, and we're going to see where the Lord leads us in this discussion, but um, one of the things I was thinking about in worship is, well, around this whole topic that we'll get into on prayer, is the question of, well, the idea of, uh, well, how bad do you want it? And I thought, well, you know, how bad do you want it? That's kind of, that could be like, how bad do you want it to be? So it's like, well, how badly do you want it? How about that? We'll be grammatically correct so that... uh, so that we can get this right. But how badly do you want it? What do you said that you want, right? And one of the themes that stood out to me this week was the aspect of the promise, the promised seed that was given to Abraham through Isaac. And then through Isaac, he had to have offspring as well for the promised seed to continue on. But he married Rebecca and it wasn't happening, right? So Here he's got his wife from his father's family. He marries her, and they're not having children, right? So let's read in in Genesis 25, 19 through 34. And these are the offspring of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean, as a wife for himself. Isaac entreated the Lord opposite his wife, because she was barren. The Lord allowed himself to be entreated by him, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children agitated within her, and she said, If so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two regimes from your inside shall be separated. The might shall pass from one regime to the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. When her term to to bear grew full, then behold, there were twins in her womb. The first one emerged red, entirely like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. After that, his brother emerged with his hand grasping on the heel of Esau, so he called his name Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when she bore them. The lads grew up, and Esau became one who knows trapping, a man of the field, but Jacob was a wholesome man, abiding in tents. Isaac loved Esau, for his game was in his mouth, but Rebekah loved Jacob." Jacob simmered a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, Pour into me now some of that very red stuff, for I am exhausted. He therefore called his name Edom. Jacob said, Sell as this day your birthright to me. And Esau said, Look, I am going to die, so of what use to me is a birthright. Jacob said, Swear to me as this day. He swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, got up and left. Thus, Esau spurned the birthright. Okay, so within this passage, we have the birth birth of two children, each of which had the potential to be the promised seed, right? Who could choose to walk in the ways of the Lord. But ultimately, what we see here is Esau spurning the birthright and turning away from what could be offered to him. He chose a different path. Instead, Isaac saw, or excuse me, Jacob saw the value of the birthright, and pursued it. Um, so, within this this whole thing, right in this section, was about the seed coming forth and being being chosen, and it's key and a key factor in God's plan of redemption and restoration, because if a seed were not to be born or to receive that inheritance of the birthright, how would it be passed on to the descendants of Abraham as promised? But right when we start out, we see that Rebecca is barren. And I know last week we talked in the Torah Club about the significance of a barren woman uh, having her womb to open and giving birth to a child because you recognize that that child's life is supernatural and that God has a specific calling and purpose for them, and he's declaring it through the miraculous birth, okay? But, you know, so, so there's that aspect, so I can see how God's moving and bring forth that, that message to us. But also, if you're, if you're Isaac, and you're, just, you're going along, you're saying, okay, Lord, here I know I'm, I'm the seed that was promised to Abraham. I'm the one who's receiving the inheritance. This is supposed to go through me. Not long ago, I... I allowed myself to be placed on an altar to be given up to you as a sacrifice. I'm giving myself wholly to you and now I see this great provision of a wife. I see how it's all going. I know how this is gonna work out. He gets married at 40 and he doesn't have children until he's 60. That's 20 years. Now it's really easy when we're reading the Bible here to say, oh, well, you know what? We just covered you know over 2,000 years of history in just a few weeks, 20 years, eh, doesn't seem like very much. But where were you 20 years ago? Man. 20 years ago. Wow. So my wife and I, we just celebrated 16 years yesterday. So praise God, many more. And, uh, but 16 years. What would I be thinking if we didn't have children right now? and let's say that I had a promise of, of offspring. He's saying, Lord, what about your promises? I know your word's true and you fulfill your word, but I'm not seeing it happen here. I won't go down the road that just popped in my head. I won't go the Abraham route, right? <laughs> just it, <a, laughs> You know, he took things into his own hands, right? And Ishmael, because that was, that was actually at um, 16 years after the promise was given to Abraham, that that he had Ishmael. And then it was another 13 years after that until the covenant of circumcision. Then one more year until the birth of Isaac. So it was 30 years from the time of the promise until Abraham received the seed, the true seed that was promised to him. A lot can go on in in those times. But So what was Isaac's response to this? No, he, didn't, he didn't walk in the, in the ways of his father in this case because um, he didn't take another wife. He said, okay, well, Lord, I know you're going to fulfill this through Rebecca." but what did he do? The Scripture says that he prayed, that he prayed, and, and Rebekah prayed as well um, is what the uh, sages glean from when it says that Isaac prayed to the Lord opposite his wife, essentially alongside his wife. And the Lord heard the prayer, and said, yes, I will answer it, right? So if something was so key and so necessary in accomplishing God's will, why was prayer important? You know, wouldn't God just do what he's gonna do when he's ready to do it? I don't know the full answer on that one. It's just a question for us to think on, right? Now, what I see over and over in the scripture is that God calls us to partner with him and to come alongside him in his promises, to walk along with him, to do his will, to pray, to intercede, so that we can see his will break through in the earth. So I mean, I, I think Isaac's and Rebecca's prayer were instrumental in bringing forth the promises of God, even though it was God's full intention to bring forth. You know, it's like even though, it's like it, they're not at odds, they're, they're together in that. And so, so within this, we see, one, the importance of prayer, and then, two, the effect of the prayer. And that after 20 years, children were born to Isaac, who would then carry on his line. So, along with this, right? So Isaac didn't sit idly by and say, well, I guess God's going to bring it about. No, he, he joined in with God's heart. And he prayed along with him. And so when I was thinking about that, in various aspects of our lives, right? Um, we have destiny. We have purpose that God's placed in us. There's promises that he's given us. And the question is, how badly do we want it? Because we, we have a part to play in it. Now, we can't actually cause all of his promises to come true, right? Right? because many times his promises are beyond what our capabilities could ever achieve. Instead, he says, you come along, you prepare, you do what you need to do to help walk this out, a key aspect being prayer, and then let God come in and do what can't be done, to open wombs, right? And bring forth life where it seemed that there was not life. Um, in Romans 4:17 and 18, I'm just going to flip there real quickly. Paul writes, As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So you think about God with his power to call into being that which does not exist. Right? We've talked about it. Uh, I don't know if we keep saying the same thing over and over each week, but there's something about God being able to do anything and bring life from the dead. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll, we're, of course, we'll hit Hebrews 11 at some point because I think that we've done that pretty consistently here. But how can you leave Hebrews 11 right, with the great hall of fame of faith but within this, the idea of calling things that aren't as though they were and seeing God's desire in his heart manifest in the world, he calls us into that place of interceding along with him to see that reality happen. So that's what Isaac was doing. That's what we get to do in our lives. Now, when you think about... What do we have the capacity for? You know, If we're thinking, well, how badly do you want it? There's a lot of things that we can put our energies into. There's a lot of really good causes out there. But we actually have limited capacity to pour our hearts and our minds into something. So instead we have to go by, what does the Lord place on our hearts? What's He given to us? How do we pray into that? How do we walk within that? Um, our society, you know, when we look at, say, Facebook or anything else like that, if somebody's, I, I don't even really have a good example here to give, but what's coming to my mind is the aspect of, let's say that, okay, here was an example. There were terror attacks in France a while back, and people were really upset and they were praying for the people in France and they were, had their hearts there and, and I, you would hear voices come out and say, well, why do you care now? There's people dying in other countries too. Why don't you care about them? And kind of like belittling others for where their passions were at the moment. It's like there is nothing wrong with pouring your heart into what the Lord has placed before you and not taking up what other people have placed on their hearts. Instead, we need to realize that that's what, you know, people have connections. They have aspects that the Lord's placed before them to go into, and they're going to pour in. It may not look like yours. That's okay. Instead, recognize the good in what each are pursuing and support each other and encourage each other in it, right? Because there are many places on the mountain, and you can't stand on every place on the mountain. Um, there was a, a story written by uh, Rick Joyner a while back. It's, it's called, uh, I think it's called The Torch and the Sword. Maybe I'm not, maybe not. But anyway, there's something back there <laughs> where, he, where he wrote about seeing a vision of a mountain and he saw all different denominations and believers stationed at various points on the mountain. Some people weren't even on the mountain. They were trying to get on the mountain and there were people down there pulling them up and trying to help them. But the people who were there at the bottom pulling them up, you know, they were in the mud and they were working hard to help people get up. They weren't manning the same spot as some other people higher up on the mountain, holding different locations. But what what he saw in this vision was that each person on the mountain had a role to play, and each role was important in various aspects of the kingdom work. They couldn't be in all the places, but where they were, they gave their heart to it. And in so doing, we're doing great things for the kingdom. So, for us, it's to recognize the value in each of those areas. I don't know why we're going here, by the way, but (laughs) but I I think there's there's a key there. We really only have, we have limited capacity for what we can pour our hearts into, but that which we what which has been placed in our heart, we're to pour our hearts into. And we're to pray to see it become all that God has established for it, that he has planned for it. In, uh, within this, in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, the scripture says that Yeshua was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited, or distressed, and I saw another verse, downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest." Right, so Yeshua sees these people who are distressed and they're downcast like sheep without a shepherd. When I read that earlier, and that just stood out to me, the aspect of he saw these people downcast. And even a worship, just dwelling on that and thinking on it. To the point of, does that make you sad? To think about the people who are downcast and distressed? and without a hope, and without a shepherd, that moved the heart of Yeshua. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Who wants it more? Who wants it more? Does he want it more? Does God want the harvest to be brought in more than you do? Yes, he does. <laughs> as much as you want it, he wants it more. But yet, Yeshua still says you're to pray for him to send the workers out to accomplish it. It's not just about God wanting it and then causing it to happen. It's God wanting it, placing the desire in your heart and saying, come with me and let's get the harvest. Right. because the prayer will affect things. The prayer here will cause hearts to be moved and people to be raised up to go out into the harvest to achieve God's will. It's a fascinating thought, just the, the position God calls us into in his kingdom. Our position isn't just, okay, I come into a relationship with you, I go and do, Uh, all the things I'm supposed to do. It's really, we're taking on a new role, a new identity, a new place and purpose in the kingdom, and then moving into that and seeing his salvation and his harvest come forth. Um, Now, within all of this, we don't always get to see exactly what God's doing. We, we see in part. We may not even see the outcome of the work that we do. It may be for others, right? So one, one sows and another reaps. Sometimes the one who sows gets to reap, right? But in the midst of it, we're still working towards a greater goal that we may not see the end of, but it still is a worthy goal to pursue. In Hebrews 11, one through three, There's some talk about faith. The scripture says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Again, this is the whole thing of things that weren't now come into existence into the visible But one of the translations I've read, too, is that it says, for the people of old gained a testimony. They obtained a testimony through their faith. And their faith, as described in Hebrews 11, is always active. It's always their participation in response to what God has called and what he's shown to them. And their faith brings forth that which was not and makes it exist it brings it into the visible. Hmm. Now one of the things that that we have to have, actually I wanna take a look here at, uh, at Mark 11. Okay, so I'll, I'll read this from Mark 11. 22 through 24, this is right after Yeshua had cursed the fig tree and it had withered. And Yeshua answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Okay. So within this passage, Yeshua is calling us to a a deep level of faith, right? Now, when he says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, he's not really talking about a mountain being lifted up and displaced and thrown in the sea. I used to try to pray that. It never worked. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an idiom for the mountain being a large obstacle that looks like it can't be moved, right? But instead, that that mountain, that obstacle can be moved and cast out of your way when you pray. So, but yeah, so you can still pray for the mountain to be taken up and thrown into the sea, but it might cause a rather large disruption. You may not get your prayer. <laughs> but within, within what we find as obstacles or, or things that would hinder what we see is God's promise or what we know His, his purpose is that He's laid before us. We pray and we invite Him in to remove that obstacle for us because we're not going to move the mountain, right? Unless we go one, one by one, stone by stone. But anyway, regardless, the idea is that we trust in the Lord, we cry out to Him, we pray and we believe and his promises and his ability to fulfill them such that we can receive what the promise is. Now, Isaac waited 20 years. He continued to pray diligently. And he didn't lose hope. And that's another thing that we have to to learn is endurance and perseverance in the midst of what we're praying for and what we're seeking. There was a number of years ago, um, I don't remember all the details on this, but a number of years ago, I had a group of guys that I would meet for breakfast. And we would meet, we would give each other's update on our lives, and we would uh, pray together. And it was just a little brotherhood, it was four guys. And one of the guys had really struggled with saying, you know what, as much as I've prayed, I don't feel like God ever hears me. Um, I've never heard an answer from him. I just don't think it's ever gonna happen. you know. And that morning as we were sitting there, I felt like the Lord said, pray for him. And, but then, but it, was, it wasn't just a pray for him. Right now, it was a why don't you commit to pray for him. Right? And so, I, felt, I think it was three weeks. Um, and so I, so I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you every day for three weeks that, uh, that, the, that you would hear from the Lord. And the guys there with me, they agreed. They said, yeah, we'll do it too. But I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be diligent to do this. I wrote it down to where every day I would see it and every day I would pray it. And each week we'd get back together and be like, okay, have you heard anything? Nope. Next week, have you heard anything? Nope. Third week. We get together, and we're talking, and said, okay, have you heard anything? And he said, look, I really appreciate you guys praying, but no, I haven't heard, and he just stopped, and, he's, and then suddenly just this wave came over him. He's like, I just heard. <laughs> so it was this, this, and he still talks back, he still refers back to that years later, of how that was transformative in his faith and in his life. And I don't share that to say anything great about what I did, right? But more like it was just the faithfulness to pray and not to give up even though there was no evidence along the way. It's like nope, don't hear, don't hear. And even in his last moment, he's like, hey, you know, that was really nice. Great gesture, appreciate it, but nothing. But that's when God broke through. So it didn't, uh, the idea here is persevering to the end and saying, it's not up to me to handle the result. It's up to me just to be faithful with what God's asked to do. And then we go and we do that and then we just leave it up to him, right? And so I'm thankful for what God did there that day. It's a beautiful testimony really of how the mountains can move. Because if you think about someone who, over their life and their walk with the Lord, say, I don't hear, I can't hear, I'm not gonna hear. That's a mountain that has to be moved. That's something that has to be broken down. And no person's gonna go up and, and remove that. That's something where God said, I'm gonna take that mountain, I'm gonna throw it into the sea. Because he had a reason, well God had a reason for that person, to call him into a deeper relationship, to open up doors that had been shut, and to, to usher in a new era of faith in his life and, and in his walk with the Lord. It's such a good thing. We we prayed earlier, or we sang earlier about how God is good. He's good and so good, right? We sang it over and over. I don't know if we did it over and over, but I want to think on it over and over just about how good he is. And, you know, we have in the, in the Gospels, we have a story of a woman and the unjust judge. We're probably all familiar with this story, but I do want to go take a look at it in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Yeshua was telling them a parable to show that all time that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying... In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And, he will, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Yeshua gave this illustration, not to, not to compare God to an unjust judge, but rather to give the illustration of even if an unrighteous person Will give in to perseverance, you know, to persistent requests. How much more would a God who is good and who longs to give good gifts and who loves you quickly hear your call and answer you? In Isaiah 65, the scripture speaks about the messianic era, a time to come. And it's got, it has great hope in it. There was one verse that I was wanting to read from in here, and and we will read it in the midst of this. It's verse 24, but when I read the whole context around the verse, I felt like it was just appropriate for us to read the whole thing here. Scripture says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100 and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the life as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. That sounds like a good day, right? But within this, the scripture said that When we call, He will hear even before we call. And He will answer because He knows what we need. He sends the answer ahead of us. If you remember last week in in our portion when Rebecca, well, okay, so Eliezer's going out. To find Isaac's bride, and he's coming up to the well, and he's praying. And as he's praying, here comes Rebecca. All right? God had already dispatched Rebecca to the well before Eliezer started to pray. I heard uh, I heard someone speaking the other day about the time when Daniel had seen a vision that was troubling to him, and he didn't understand what the vision was about. So he began to, to fast and he fasted for 21 days. And at that time, the, uh, I believe it was Michael came to him and he said that from the time he began to pray, his his prayer had been answered, that Michael had been dispatched that day. But it took him 21 days to get there because he had been opposed by the prince of Persia. Right? But the an- God had heard 21 days before the answer arrived. And the Lord had answered 21 days before it arrived. I hadn't thought about this before, but what if the answer had already arrived when I started praying for my friend? Or it had already been answered at day one, but it took 21 days to get there, right? So is that a lesson And it's not what our eyes see? that should determine our response, that should determine our perseverance, but rather our hope in the one who is good to hear our prayer and to answer us and to give good things and to affirm and fulfill his promises. That's how we're to have perseverance and endure. Hmm. Just think about that. What promises are already answered? What prayers are already answered and just haven't yet manifest? It's pretty cool. Very neat to think. You know, um, in Torah Club later today, we're going to talk about Simeon in the temple. And so let's jump over to Luke 2. In Luke 2, verse 25 through 32. So Joseph and Miriam, they have brought Yeshua to the temple for the purpose of uh, redeeming the firstborn and for, for Miriam's purification. And here they're, they're looking for a priest who they can pay the, the price of redemption to. And they're there in the temple, and, and here is Simeon. Scripture says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Yeshua to carry out for him the custom of the Torah, then he took him into his arms and blessed God. And he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Simeon had been given a promise that he would see the Messiah before his days were over. Now Simeon was old, right? But he still believed in the promise and he faithfully went to the temple. And because he continued to walk in faithfulness, because he didn't lose heart, because he didn't give up, he held the promised Messiah in his hands. What if the Spirit had come on him and said, hey, get up, get going, let's go. And he's like, whatever. I've been there, tried so many times. Wow. But the answer was, in his heart, was, yes, Lord, I'll go. And he still believed, and when he, when he held the promise, can you imagine the joy? I love his words that he begins to prophesy over Yeshua. And this wasn't the full extent of him, but he gets to say, for my eyes have seen your salvation. For my eyes have gotten to see your promise fulfilled. Now he didn't get to see all of it fulfilled, right? He got to behold the Messiah, and he was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the redemption to come. He'd got to, he got to see a part. And that was huge. So blessed is the one who perseveres, who doesn't give up hope, who continues in faith doing what they've been called to do, what they've been shown to do. Because you never know the day in which that's going to arrive. You never know when it's going to arrive. It makes me think of another, another story of preparedness. So... um Back in two thousand and twelve, many of you probably know the story that uh, we were on vacation and we were up on a mountain at night, and David had an allergic reaction that was really severe, and it was the first time we ever administered his uh, epipen okay now we had carried his epipen with us everywhere we went for how. Old? Well, since he was one, okay, and so now at this point, he was five. So for four years, we had carried the EpiPen with us everywhere we went, never had to use it. At some point, you'd be like, why do we take this with us everywhere we go, you know? (laughs) Not that we wanted to use it by any means, right? But then, in that moment where we were away from any kind of ability to communicate with uh, medical facilities or anything like that, um, and he has a severe reaction. We had it there on hand, and we're able to use it. And in that, I was so thankful that we had continued to be diligent in keeping the epipen with us. Right? now, however, you look at that story, you know, of David's life being preserved. We know it was God who held him in His hand and gave him the deliverance. So we're thankful for that. But God uses multiple ways in which He moves. To bring about his purposes, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, and all those things. So I shared that just an aspect of, you know, within all these things, we, we don't give up. We continue to do faithfully what we know we should be doing. Maintaining preparedness physically, spiritually, and always listening to the Spirit. Even if, again, we haven't necessarily seen. Well, why am I doing this? Because you can start to question yourself at some time. Like. Uh, say you've been fasting and praying for something to come about and you don't see it, it's easy to give up. I don't know how many people are tired right now with the whole election stuff. But do you get worn out a little bit? You know, Uh, kind of like, okay, how long is this going to drag on? But continuing to pray. You know, at some point you might feel like, I I know some people are continuing to fast in various means and pray along the way. It's like, don't lose heart. Continue on, so that we can see God's will done in America. So that we can see His plans and purposes come forth in it. It's too easy to lose heart and give up. I saw somebody make a comment that uh, the election in two thousand it took like thirty-six days to figure out who was really the president elect. You know, we're not at even twenty days yet since the election. I'm not trying to say it's going to last you know, super-duper long or anything like that. But it's like, no, we need to continue to, to pray, to believe in God's goodness and his purposes, and to see his purposes carried out such that the person ends up in office whose God's heart is for to carry out his will in this country. So we stick with it. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, the scripture says, speaking of those people who walked in faith and were pressing in for the promises and not seeing the fullness of it, The scripture says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen and welcomed them from a distance. Having seen and welcomed them from a distance. Because they saw the potential. They saw the aspect that God could do what he had said. And they persevered in faith. They didn't receive the promises then, but they will. Their efforts are not without benefit. For one thing, those who come after receive the benefits as well so we need to be praying diligently for our for our families our friends, our community, our nation, and not give up hope so we do have a good father hmm. yes I
1: had two things one um your story about your friend, I was struck too by his honesty in admitting that he hadn't heard yet. Because I think a lot of times we want, especially when we know people are praying for us, to satisfy them, you know, like, oh yeah, my back does feel a little better. You know, when you can, then people stop fighting and you can not receive the promises because you're willing to kind of skimp on what God really wants. I mean, it kind of like Abraham and, Sarah and Hagar like, oh, maybe God means this. It's like, no, that's not what God meant. But also in persevering in hope, I thought about um, like when your brother, Chris's brother and his wife wanted to have children and it took them a while and it was a really hard time for them to persevere. And one time we were doing something else, and Chris was just struck with. We were there was a song playing, and it was "Borrow Mine." Mm-hmm. If y'all know that song, so it's the chorus is "When your faith is gone, you can borrow mine." And that sometimes we just don't have that hope left, and that's why we need each other, like to step in and say, "Your hope is gone right now. Well, you can borrow mine."
0: Yeah, that's that's a that story. I'll go ahead and share it because um, so. This was a long time ago, this is before David was born. Heather and I were, were painting the house that we, we lived in. You know, I was like painting the ceiling in the living room, and when, it, when I talk about painting, uh, before we got married, uh, we were painting the, what would be our, our master bedroom one day, and we're both in there painting, and Heather's like, so what are you thinking about? And I said, paint the wall, paint the wall. <laughs> She's like, what? What do you mean you're not thinking all kinds of thoughts? I'm like, thinking about what I'm doing. <laughs> That's when I learned the difference between men and women. Yeah, the difference between men and women. Yes, so now you have a little insight. So, while I'm, I'm in the living room and I'm painting the ceiling, but I'm not just thinking paint the ceiling. How about that, okay? And, and that song is going on in the background and I just, yeah, I just feel the presence on me To uh, that you need to call your brother and tell him uh, that you love him, you know? And I, I don't talk to my brothers very often, right? And, and at that point, I, I don't know how long it has been since I would talked to him. And I certainly didn't ever call him up and say, I love you. I mean, that's all touchy-feely, you know? And so, I'm like, so anyway, I'm thinking that and... Uh, and as I'm, that thought's coming in and I'm just like, I'm starting, I think at that point I, I was crying, like because I just had this compassion for him. I didn't even know why. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll call him. But I, I don't think I did it right away. Eventually, I was like, okay, I'm gonna call him. So I go upstairs and I... You I, ran off because I remember all of a sudden you were oh, gone. Okay so, I, okay, so I disappeared and I go upstairs and I actually go into a closet, you know? And uh, so I, I ring this phone And it goes to the uh, voicemail. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. I'll just leave him a little message. And so I'm like, hey, Chad, good to see you. Or just call and say hello, hope you're doing well. And uh, I'm getting ready to get off and he answers. Either he answered in the midst of the thing or he called me right back, one of the two. And so we start talking and we had a real good conversation and I'm like, yeah, that's good enough that's good enough, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and leave it here and get off the phone. But the Lord's like, nope, you need to tell him that you love him. And so, so I did, I told him that I love him and I just started bawling. I mean, just weeping, just uncontrollably. And so just in the midst of all that, I was like, I love you and God loves you and that's all I could say was just that. And he just sat there in silence, you know. And so after my extended weeping and just uncontrollable sobbing, um, uh, he's like, well, thanks Chris, I love you too. <laughs> and uh, so we get off the phone and I'm like, okay, well, I did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> and then, then he, he calls back like either later that day or the next day and and he uh he's like, Chris, you know, that was really from the Lord. Um, he, he said, uh, that day we had found out that Andy had miscarried, and we were just broken, and we couldn't communicate with each other, and we just felt like God didn't hear us or see us. You know, he, he goes, so after he got off the phone, I went in to, to talk to her, and he's like, we prayed and, we, and cried and reconnected And we knew that God saw us in the midst of it. And it's one of those things where I didn't know. All I knew was what the Lord said, you need to go call him and tell him this. And all that weeping wasn't from me. You know, that was just the Spirit just pouring out his heart through me to communicate a message to someone who needed it, who needed to borrow your faith. When, when, When his hope was gone, when... He was weak, he just needed a brother to come alongside him. And to hear that voice of the Lord, That's a beautiful thing, yeah. Amen. Anybody else have anything? Irene? When we were talking about prayer earlier, when you were reading the scriptures, the Lord just dropped this into my heart. Prayer is a calling Prayer is a calling back to life things that may have been dead and or that may be dormant or for us to speak it so he can create it. Yes, Amen. Amen. Because yeah, our words are power. Our prayers are, are powerful to bring that which is in, true in the spirit into reality in the flesh.
1: I just want to tell you, um, Irene, that—and Leslie can vouch for me. She was there. I don't know where she is right now. But when we were worshiping this morning during worship practice, I had this sense of the ruach coming and breathing life into dead things. And I told her, I said, I believe that God is releasing his spirit in a way that is bringing things that were dormant to life again and the dead back to life. And as we were worshiping, I really felt that. I felt the Spirit moving that way. I didn't get a chance to share right after worship because I was getting Malachi, but I just wanted to release that and say that I I just feel like that's totally what the Lord was saying and just confirming that for you.
0: Amen. Yeah. That's excellent. You know, the, uh, you know, Scripture that talks about in Revelation, the angel of the church in Philadelphia says, He who is holy, he who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. All right? <clears throat> Now, whether that verse is all about, well, I know it's not all about just God answering prayers, but I think there's an element in there that speaks about what God does. He sees us. He sees our hearts. He sees our deeds. He longs to open doors to us, to pour out His blessings on us. Uh, a, um, in, in a In The Sound of Music, there was a spot that I, I heard yesterday that I, I don't think I've ever heard this line in the, in the movie so much that I paused it and rewound it. And, it, and uh, she says, when God shuts a door, he's somewhere he's going to open up a window. <laughs> I'd never heard that line in the movie before, but it just struck me. And yeah, that door, if a door, the door is shut, it's like, oh, that's guess that's not going to work out anymore. And God says, "I'm going to open this window over here. I'm going to make a way." Yeah, Amen. Anybody
2: else? I was just uh, just thinking about Esther, the book of Esther. How I was um, earlier this week, I was thinking about the. um, This is correlating to what you're saying about the just about faith and God's promises. Is uh, I always think of the verse where. Mordecai is talking to Esther, and he says, um, "Who knows if perhaps uh, you remain queen for such a time as this?" I always have thought about thought about that verse as like God has something for you and it's special or something like that, and that's why you're here. But that's the point where she's looking at death, right? She has a promise, and I'm going to lose it, and I'm probably going to die. Maybe I don't know. Just like Isaac, right? There's at, there's a promise, but there's gonna there's like a death transition. And then it comes to life, you know, same thing as the tomb. And then you change the T to a W and it becomes a womb and then something comes to life, you know. So just, but then it's not like God has a plan for each of us, but it's not just because of us. It's because he has a bigger plan, right, to save the Jews for Esther and to fulfill his promises through Isaac. So he's not going to, he's not going to forget and he's not going to let it go. It's going to come to pass. We just have to walk it, walk it out with them.
0: That's right. You know? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point you made there, Philip, about how he has a plan, plans and purposes for our lives, but it's not all about us. He has a broader spectrum, and he causes all the pieces to fit together. So sometimes he does delay for a greater purpose, right? Whether it's a greater purpose in our life or a greater purpose in his kingdom or what may look like delay to us is actually could be quite strategic on his part. Yeah, it's just for us to, to walk in, walk in it. Yeah. Can we take a
1: minute now and pray for um, promises that we feel are are long time coming or mm-hmm. dead or dormant?
0: Yeah. That's
1: I don't know good. how you want to do it, but...
0: Um, let's see. So what we could do is just do kind of a, do popcorn prayer. That's what I think. We won't worry about the the microphone. Um, yeah let's just do the let's do that i'll open up and then uh, then close it up too but i'll pause and let everyone anyone jump in lord we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your call to us lord to persevere and endure in faith trusting in you lord to perform your good works lord we thank you for the promises that you've given we thank you, Lord, that your word is true, and that your word does not come back void. Lord right now we cry out, Lord, that you would release your spirit over us. Lord, that you would bring life where there was death, that you would bring hope where there was people who were downcast or distressed, like sheep without a shepherd. Lord, I ask that you would begin to speak into our hearts that hope would arise in the name of Yeshua. Yes, Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you that you hear our prayer. Lord, that you, we ask that you hear and send your answer. Lord, that you'd take every mountain and throw it into the sea. Lord, that your purposes and your goodwill and intention in our life will be fulfilled. Help us to walk in faith and in boldness. we ask for, for your miracles. We ask for the faith to, to look for your miracles, to have hearts that, that desire your goodness, that desire to see your promises fulfilled in every dimension, that we would pursue you, Lord. We pursue you with hearts of love. bless you we give you thanks that you're good we give you thanks for your loving kindness we ask you to guide us in the week ahead strengthen us and draw us close to you lord help us to hear your voice we love you and bless you in the name of yeshua amen thank you for joining us If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas.